Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Well, let's get started today. I'm, I'm excited about today. I'm going to, last week we talked about crisis. And crises are going to come sometimes suddenly. A lot of times crises are the results of negligence. Or they come about because we don't deal with issues. The reason that children end up rebellious at the age of 17 is because we never corrected it at the age of one. The reason our dogs still go to the bathroom in the house is because we never sent them to obedience school or told our wife, take care of it or get rid of it. So there are things that happen in our life that are issues that start in seed form and end up being crisis. And the one of the reasons that issues start and run their full course and bring us into crisis is because we lose our focus. We lose our focus. Now, you might not think that focus is very important, but it is. And so we're going to study today about distractions. And let's go to Proverbs 29, 18. One of the greatest reasons that people fail is a loss of focus. Focus is an intent activity of attending to something in particular. And so we want to make sure that we keep our focus. And you might say, well, focus doesn't have anything to do with God. Well, let's find out if it does. Proverbs 29, 18, it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, the place where vision is born, happy is that man. Now, vision is a divine guidance system. It comes in dreams, it comes in revelations of scriptures, it comes in discovery of scriptures. In other words, that when we're looking for direction and we go to the scriptures and it is unveiled to us, what is that? That's vision. You have just saw a divine attempt or a divine directive from God for your life. Now what you do with that vision is totally up to you. But most people try to keep vision and revelations and directives that are divine. They try to keep them in their head. And we all have to realize that our head isn't really big enough even to contain a day's worth of information. Phyllis will ask me, hey, what did so-and-so say? I said, you know, I forgot. Well, you can't have forgotten. You spent an hour with them. I did spend an hour with him. I met him for a minute, and I was thinking, 59 minutes, how can I shorten this visitation? So I, I didn't hear anything. And you know I'm being facetious, and I'm just pulling your short leg. Now, let's look at what vision is. Vision is a divine communication from God. It is something that is a revelation of God's will or a scripture for a directive of faith's action. Now, that's what a vision is. Now, the Bible tells us that we are to write vision down. So that should tell us 
that it's more important than depending on human intellect when God gives you something. Right? Absolutely. No matter how small you think the pearl is, you need to write down the information that made that revelation important to you or that made it a pearl. You need to write it down. And then the Bible says that if we don't have vision, we're going to perish. What does the word perish mean? The word perish means you're going to let loose of the directive that you were following. In other words, you're going to get out without a vision, you're going to forget where you're headed, and you're just going to loose it, and you're going to float around the ocean with no end in sight. The word perish means to show a lack of restraint. In other words, if you perish or you have a vision and you don't write it down, you are going to have nothing to guide you or to restrain you from doing things that are not in God's will for your life. Now, I didn't write this. The son of wisdom wrote this. So we have to understand it's probably pretty important. Amen? And the word perish means to let go or to ultimately ignore. To ignore. I mean, if God gives you a vision of how to get out of something financially or emotionally or addictively, and then you start ignoring that information, you ultimately are separating yourself from God's directive. Okay. And then it means the Bible says, keepeth the law. In other words, become very aware protect what God has revealed to you, make sure you observe it, make sure you regard it, and make sure that you attend to it and give it value. So it's very important to write stuff down, to have a vision. Because if you don't have a vision, what's going to happen is you are going to end up being distracted. And if I could get you to, dis to be distractive, I could keep you from going anywhere that God wanted you to go. And I could keep you from being obedient to anything that God told you to do. And I could keep you from using the laws of life to become free from the laws of sin and death. All I have to do is distract you. I don't have to destroy what God said. All I have to do is get your attention off of it. So I'm really not fighting against God. I'm fighting against your ability to obey what God told you to do. And so I get to be able to look at that. So understand that whatever you look at or keep your eyes on, write the vision, so that they that read it may run with it. Though it tarries for a short time, it will come to pass. Habakkuk 2.2. 2. So here it tells us that if we keep looking at it, we're going to stay on course. 
but realize that whatever you look at the most is what will begin to be your master. In other words, it will become your guide. That's why the Bible tells us, don't look at things that are temporal. Look at things that are eternal. Keep your eyes on that which God said. But guess what? Jesus told us this. In the multitude of business, in Mark the fourth chapter, people become disconnected from God. And because they become disconnected, some become 20, 40, 60, 80% Christians. Now, the problem is not with the gospel. The problem is not with the word. It's because we get too distracted. Amen? Yeah. And whatever you get distracted by becomes the strongest thing in your life. I used to have great friends. Then I met Phyllis. She drove them all off. No, she became what I kept my eye on. And my friends all lost their value because Phyllis became more important. Now, hindsight. I would still have my friends. But, so, we want to make sure that we do not get distracted. Somebody say distracted. And you might say, oh man, I don't get, get distracted. Yes, you do. Everybody gets distracted. And if we don't watch it, we will be overcome by that distraction. Matthew 6.25 through 33. Matthew 6.25 through 33. Watch these words. And we've read this so many times, but let's read it looking at what's really in it. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for what for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body. What you shall put on it, it is not life more than meat. Now notice, there's already three things that are contending for the purpose of your life. For your life, what you eat, what you drink, or your body, or what you put on it, where you're going to live. Is not life more than meat, and the body than raiment. Next verse. Behold the fowls of the air. They don't sow, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, for are you not much better than they? Which one of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take you thought? Why take you thought? Why are you getting distracted on trivial things? Why do you take thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, that they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little what? Now, what's he talking about? Distractions weaken faith. 
you need to be focused on something that we're going to discover. But if the enemy brings distractions, your faith will be weakened in trusting God as your daily source. And then it says this. Go to the next verse. Therefore, therefore, stop taking thoughts. Stop getting distracted. Say, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after these things do the Gentiles seek. See, it is not natural for Christians to be distracted from eternal life's pursuit. And when we get like that, we have reduced God to a God of servitude instead of a God that requires honor in our life. And then it says this, the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. But, but, remember they told us not what to do. Don't think about food, raiment, your body. Don't think about those things. But now seek you first of the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, keep your focus on the things of the kingdom. Let God rule your life. Protect yourself from getting all diverted into every other different direction, worrying about things that God has already provided for you because that will erode your faith. But if you keep your focus on the kingdom, guess what happens? All these things will come upon you. Now, how many of you believe God? Well, at least right now. But how many of us really believe God? I mean, we, we are just going to seek first the kingdom of God and realize that this stuff, stuff that we put in here, stuff that we put on here, and the shelters that we live in, they're not bad, but they're really not supposed to be the focus of our faith and our strength. Pursuing and finding God is. And when you keep your focus, all these things will be added unto you. So focus is very important. Could it get an amen? Absolutely. Don't worry even about what tomorrow is going to happen. Don't worry. It'll have enough evil that it's going to challenge you, but God's going to bring you through it. Don't worry about it. Today is a great day. The Lord has made it. So I think I'll beginning, begin to praise him when I get up, praise him when I lay down, because everything in between is going to work out to my good. That's just what I, you and I know that. So let's not stress about the things that are natural for man to have on earth. All right? Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 5. We're going to need to read faster than what I'm reading to get through all of this. But this is what distractions do. And I, brethren, would not speak unto you as unto men or as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. 
For I have fed you with meat, milk, and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you. For you are yet carnal. Why? For whereas there is among you envying, strife, and division, are you not carnal and walk as men? While one saith, I am of Paul, another saith, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but minister to whom you believed even in the Lord gave to every man? I have planted Apollos' water, but God gave the increase. So there is neither he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. And he that planteth and he that watereth are one. But every man shall receive of his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God, and we are God's husbandry. We are God's building. What happened to the church in 1 Corinthians? They became carnal, they became spiritually deaf, and they became children locked in carnality. Why? Because they got diverted from being servants of Christ to being joined to men. If you want to be carnal, let all of these distractions come in. I hear people say all the time, well, I listen to Brother Hagin every week. Praise God, great, great. So when we're not here at church, we're watching Brother Hagin. Great, great, great. I think that's wonderful. Brother Hagin is a great man. He's in heaven and praise God. And then we watch John Hagee because he's always telling us just what God's going to do, except for the red moon it never happened. But we're going to move on from that. See, what we do is we segregate ourselves thinking that we are wise. We aren't wise at all. We have become distracted. Could again, Amen. See, we support worldwide ministries. We support everybody. Yet the Bible gives us very strategic things what to do. Know those that labor among you. We don't know people. We just send them money. Money, money. Hallelujah. And we buy our appeased conscience because we don't want to be involved in things in the church. So, well, we do this. Well, you can't do that. You need to be a part of the local body. Oh, but I get my, my feeding from, from brother so-and-so. Well, you aren't allowed to do that. Now, I know that you think it's okay, but and I'm, just, I'm just saying things that the Bible says, but we got all of these distractions. Give to me, give here, give it, do this, do that. Believe in me, believe in that. Praise God, join me for this conference, join... We get so deceived and so busy and so stretched out that there's nobody in the local church that can prove who you are. Then, I'm not preaching on that. So we got to realize that distractions, when they first happen, may not have an effect on you. 
But in long term, they're going to affect you. They're going to affect you. I'll, I'll give a, a I'm, I'm not going to mention the television station, but it's a whole network that could travel across the United States and around the world. And uh, there were a lot of things that happened physically, right on the screen. Uh, preachers that were on there were getting divorced and, you know, rumors of this, rumors of unfaithfulness, rumors of drinking, rumors of this and that. Yet everybody kept watching it, loving it. And what they didn't realize was that that which they were allowing to be wrong in front of their eyes would quickly come tumbling down. And it is today a tumbling roller coaster headed for failure. Not because the intent was not wrong, but because we got so distracted by the glit and the glamour that we forgot that God expects us to hold people accountable. Distractions. They may not seem much when they first come into your life, but I'm telling you, they're like a boil. They just keep getting bigger and sore. And then you have to contend with it. Now, let's go to Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Remember, we're talking about distractions, and we're talking about the value of focus. Somebody say focus. There are times that we pray. There are times that we don't pray. But when you pray, you should be focused. Don't pray during the commercials of your favorite show. It said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one of many things I do. Is that what it said? No, but this what? One thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind, I reach forth to unto those things which are before me. I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What does Paul tell us? This one thing I do, nothing distracts me. And here's how I did that. I counted everything to the place of cow manure so I could keep my focus on what is important. Now, that, that's pretty abrupt. Hey, uh, how's that new uh, car you got? Oh, that piece of dung. What do you mean? You just bought it yesterday. Yeah, it's just dung. Don't you like it? Yeah, but it's dung. And if it gets in place of me and Jesus, I'm going to spread it on the field. Do, do you understand how Paul is degrading everything in life? and says, I will not allow these distractions to come. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to focus myself on pressing towards Jesus Christ and his calling on my life. Paul is talking about some serious focusing. 
We have to focus. When we don't focus, we begin to give things in our life greater strength. Here's what Jesus does in the Garden of Gethsemane. Hey, Peter, I want you to come up here, and, and, and John, I want you to come, and, and I want you to come. I want you to go with me because I'm getting ready to go to the cross. Now, I'm going to die. I'm going to raise in three days. I need you with me. I need for you to go with me. And Jesus takes them with him, thinking they're going to stay focused. I want you to pray with me. I just need you one hour, guys, and uh, just one hour. I'm going over here because this is real personal to me, but I want you to pray out of your heart for me. He comes back. They're sleeping. I mean, he doesn't get three feet from the rock, and he hears the old sailor snore. <laughs> hey, what are you guys doing? Couldn't you? One hour, man. Come on. So he says, okay, look, I'm, I'm going to give you one more chance. Sure, no, it was John's fault. <laughs> so, Jesus goes back over and he starts praying and steps about three steps away from the rock. <sighs> I cannot believe it. What are you guys doing? Uh, it was John's fault again. I told him not to lay his head on my bosom like he did yours, and sure enough, he did. I got warm. We went to sleep. Jesus says, well, sleep on. In other words, you've become so useless to me that the kingdom cannot depend on you. What did Jesus look at? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So in other words, all of these things about the flesh, I'm sure they're thinking about, boy, oh boy, man, I can't wait till Friday. It's payday. Jesus is going to be dishing out them little dineras, man. I'll tell you what, the wife will be there holding out her hand. I'm going to try to get me some new sandals and maybe a new wrap this week and praise God. They were thinking the same thing we think. Don't you think about money when you're making it? How much you make a week? Not enough. <laughs> Who's paying you? No one. You, where's your grandpa? Right here's his billfold, isn't it? Here, take whatever you want. Now leave. <laughs> Be happy, young man. Be happy. Now, see how I'm a problem solver. Ain't no sense talking about it. You solve the problem. So, Jesus says this. You know what? The weaker becomes dominant over the stronger because you lost your focus. You should have prayed. But no, you reversed the whole scenario and you allowed the weaker to stop the greater. That can happen in our life. When we start losing our focus, when we start getting all of these distractions going in our head things that should be submissive to us will become lords over us. Satan's main issue is simply to cause you to get distracted enough so that he, the weaker, 
can dominate the stronger. Amen? And so we get to choose. Somebody say we get to choose. We get to choose whether we're going to be distracted or stay focused. And so in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6, it says this. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and bringing every thought into the captivity of Christ and then having in readiness a response for the disobedient things that try to distract us from him. Now, we are to be so focused that we pull down every thought that exalts itself against everything that Jesus has done. Let me tell you why people don't live in their identity in the body of Christ. They lose their focus on protecting their mind. Remember, whatever you look at, think about, you are going to become dominated by it. And so when we just let these thoughts come in, well, you know, God don't love you, and you just walk on saying, yeah, praise God, well, hallelujah. What is that? You have lost your focus. You are now, right now, being distracted. He has just started a distraction that ultimately may erode your faith and separate you from God. But it's just common. Doesn't everybody think that? Not people that watch what's coming into their mind. No. We realize this is a spiritual war. And what's going to happen if you don't pay attention? You know, when your wife says, honey, we need some quality time. Okay. You think that means lay down and take a nap in her presence. Phyllis, reinform me. The dictionary has changed, brother. That means if you're going to lay down and take a nap, you've got to put your head on my lap. I thought, ain't going to be sleeping. That's too dangerous. Now, we've got to realize that, and as we grow, our distractions get more, and our relationships with our spouses get weaker. That shouldn't happen. When the kids are gone, praise God. You get to do whatever you want to do in your house. Keep your focus. Jesus, he, here's what Jesus said. This is, listen, here's how focused you got to be. If your hand offends you, cut it, cut it off. In other words, if your hand is going to cause you to lose your focus on eternity, get rid of it. Now, now you know that Jesus is using that as symbolism. Don't bring in a hundred hands next week of the people that you thought had those in their way. But realize that Jesus is telling us that if that thing offends you, gets you off course, leads you astray, gets you away from God, or causes you to lose your tight grip on him, then you need to deal with those things in life. Jesus is talking about pretty direct, drastic things. Focus determines 
what actions you're going to take and that whatever you focus on, you are involved in. And if you're not involved in the kingdom, I'm not pointing fingers, don't know if you are, you don't know if you are, but if you aren't involved in the kingdom, you aren't involved in church work, you aren't involved in outreach, you aren't involved in things in the church, guess what? Your focus is not the body of Christ. Now, your focus may be you, but it's not the overall body of Christ where it says we care one for another. We love our brothers as ourselves. We do unto others. We would have them do unto us. Those things are cliches that we simply are not going to focus on. So we'll say them, but we are not doing them. So whatever your focus is, that's what you're going to be involved in. You ever ran into a workaholic? I've ran into some. I've just never been one. Run into a workaholic. They work all the time. Randy can come to my house for my birthday, eat a birthday supper, eat birthday cake, but can't sit down and watch a movie with me because he has to be working, which I like that about him because I don't want to watch a movie with him anyway, and I got stuff for him to do. <laughs> yeah. So I always say, Randy, what are you doing now? Oh, I'm over here doing this. Well, I thought you were doing that. Oh, I finished that, and I started this. Now, he's all the time, he's like a percolator coffee. Once he gets started, you can't keep stop him. And he just keeps perking, keeps perking till he comes home 9, 10 o'clock at night, goes to bed, because he's wore out, then gets up next morning and starts the whole process again. He's totally, totally too distracted. I tell him this. Now, Randy, we're leaving the house at 9 o'clock when we're really leaving at 10, because he's never going to be there at 9 o'clock. He's not going to make it. He's like a woman. He's always got an excuse. Oh, and Phil Walker, his twin brother. They both have women genes in their muscles, in their jaws, and they are all on women time. If I say, okay, right now it's 10 o'clock, let's get in the car and we can go. Oh, I got to go to the bathroom. I got to check my hair. Wait, I want to run a brush. I'm thinking, Phyllis, come on. And it's not Phyllis, it's Randy and Philip. Philip couldn't be on time if he died. God's going to give him a week out. The angel said, oh, but Phil's going to, Philip's going to die today. The angel, God is going to say, nah, it'll take a week for him to get there. Death is already being, going to be gone six days before Philip realizes, oh, I'm dead. James 1.8 says this. Don't let a man that is double-minded think he's going to receive anything from God. What happened to the mind or the man that had a single mind on God that if I ask, I'm going to receive? He got distracted. And as soon as he got distracted, he become double-minded. 
Guess what he became in double-mindedness? Unstable in all his ways. Unstable in all... If we don't start training ourselves to be focused on the issues that are important to us, we are going to end up being unstable in all of our ways. And it's important that we develop focus. Could again, amen. So it makes us unstable in all of our ways. In other words, they can't be trusted. Can't be trusted. If you can't control your thoughts, you're not safe to be around anybody because what's going to happen, no matter what people say, you're going to take it wrong. Well, you know, the Lord sent me over here to give you $50. They call you later. What did you mean the Lord sent you over here? He tell you there's something wrong with me? I said, yes, he did. He told me I shouldn't have gave you that $50. That was for me to spend. Give that $50 back Sunday. Some people, no matter how good and how kind you are, no matter how truthful and how understanding you make yourself, they are so distracted from accepting simple truth, they become offended at everything. And it's childishness. You need to be focused. I've learned this. When Phyllis speaks to me, forget about E.F. Hutton. I'm not worried about wealth. I'm worried about living. I give her my utmost attention until I go to sleep. I give her my attention. I want to be focused. Have you ever had your wife say, you aren't listening? It may be true, but you say, oh, yes, I am. I've convinced Phyllis that I can multitask. I can watch a movie, search the web, listen to her, and tell her I love her six times during our conversation. It just now bubbles out naturally because I've trained myself to focus. Focus. Somebody say focus. James 1-2 says this, that let patience have her perfect work so that you may be complete and entire, wanting nothing. What is patience? It is an enduring. It is a steadfastness. It is a perseverance against temptation designed by Satan to get you to be distracted. Temptation comes to say, give me attention. I need it. Remember what Jesus told the man, the ruler of the synagogue, his name was Jairus, his daughter was dying, and Jesus said, sure, hey, I'll come, and I'll lay hands on her, and she shall live. Okay. Well, that was fine when there was no temptation. But Jesus headed that way, and here comes the servant and said, Hey, Jairus, don't trouble the master anymore. Your daughter's already gone. She's dead. Jesus didn't say, oh, man, bad luck, bud. No, you know what Jesus says? Don't get distracted. Only believe. Keep your focus on what you said. So what does Jairus do? He keeps his focus. What does Jesus do? He does just what Jairus' focus 
stayed on. And Jairus saw his daughter raised from the dead. So we want to make sure that we don't become afraid, intimidated by all of these distortions or distractions that come against us thinking that God can't see us through them. No, he can. Keep your focus. God is your source. Amen? Exodus 18, 18 through 24, here's what Moses' father-in-law Jethro tells him. Jethro comes and says, what are you doing, Moses? He said, well, you know, once a day I come and I sit down here and I listen to everybody's problems. You got about two million people. I'm sure they've got problems. And they all come, they just line up and stand there all day. There ain't nothing to do, they're in the desert. So they come to tell their stories to Moses. And so Jethro's dad, father-in-law, Moses' father-in-law says this, this is not good. You are going to wear yourself away. And because you get so distracted, you're going to stop being God's man. You're going to stop being his prophet. You're going to start falling apart. So what did Moses do? He said, Jethro, you know what? You're right. And God even says, hey, that Jethro guy's pretty smart, Moses. I would have told you that. So Moses appoints all these men to listen to everybody except people that have real problems. Real problems. And so we can get distracted by being involved in everything except what God has called us to do. Amen? Absolutely. Doesn't do you any good to be a marriage counselor when your wife's suing you for a divorce at home and you don't even know it. Distractions may seem like they're good things in the beginning, but if God didn't call you to it, don't do it. The other day I was with a pastor and I said, oh, are you God's Donald Trump? He said, what do you mean? I said, are, are you this big land, land owner, mogul, mogul or whatever? And he said, well, no. I said, then keep your nose out of developing everything to help people and pastor them. Well, well I, I, don't, I don't think, and I come from about three inches of telling him stop this car and getting out on a freeway and walking home. Because I did not want to be in a car with a guy that didn't even know what he was supposed to be doing. And I wanted to get his attention to say stop being something you're not. Be what God called you to be. Don't be ashamed of it, just be it. Amen? God tells Joshua what? Joshua, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put the word in front of you. I want you to meditate it up on one every day, day in and day out. And then when you do and keep your focus on that, guess what? You'll make all of your ways successful. Don't worry about success. Make sure you do things God's way. 
Could I get an amen? Seemed a little quiet, so I need that little boost. Hallelujah. Now, so God tells Joshua, keep your focus on me, and everything you do will be successful. Now, isn't that pretty simple? Kind of sound like Matthew 6, 33. Seek you first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, our first thing is, well, how is God going to do that? Well, now, how is this happening? I don't know. But he's still God. How does somebody, how, how does a creation, creator make somebody as beautiful as Phyllis? Filled with so much meanness and coldness that, that nobody could stand her but me. Now, how does God do that? I don't know. How, how does he make such a little package look so good? I don't know. But he does it. He does it. Could I get an amen? Absolutely. You have got to guard your personal time and schedules. Stop saying yes to everybody. Stop saying yes to everybody. I remember a lady called Phil's one time. She said, oh, I need for you to come to my uh, house. My sister is here and her husband, and they're, they're about ready to get divorced. We need you to come and talk to him. Phil said, no, I can't come. She said, well, why? Phil said, this is my date night. And the woman said, well, well, well this is ministry. Phil said, that marriage has been falling apart for years. I'm not going to let mine fall apart. I'm going out with my husband. I'll see them sometime next week. You cannot let other people's problems destroy your household. And you can't get so involved that you don't have time for your family. Amen? So what we have to do is keep our eyes in front of us and keep our focus on what God wants us to focus on. If you get distracted, you'll end up being a statistic. So because when we get distracted and we get all of these people bidden for our time, then understand that they will wear you down. And that which God wants you to love, you'll end up hating. Too many distractions will end up putting faith in yourself and not in God. How does that happen? Well, if you carry all your cares and you're trying to handle them on your own, what does that say about your faith in God? You can't cast your cares on him because you are your own source. Keep your focus on God. Stop letting things come into your life and then you handle them like you're Jesus. You're not Jesus. You're not Hercules. There is no Hercules besides me. We have got to watch how we handle life. Ecclesiastes says this, look, if you observe the wind and the storms and the clouds and the rain, you will not sow. But if you sow every day, every day sow and give, pretty soon your bread will come back to you. In other words, keep your focus on 
the law of sowing and reaping and you'll harvest. You're going to look at all the other evidence, you're not going to sow. You're going to get distracted. Amen. James 4, 7, resist the devil. Resist him. Keep your focus on the doors and the windows of your house. Bible says, neither give the devil place, Ephesians 4. And then it goes on down and says, you know, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor be put away from you. A lot of us are not focused on what we say. Let all your words be filled with grace. Sometimes they aren't filled with anything but lemon water and hopes of death. And we talk these things to people. We know better but we don't keep our focus on it. Why? Because when we get distracted, it erodes Jesus' influence into our life. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Praise God. John 8, 32 says this. Continue in my word and you'll be my disciples. When you stop, you'll start falling behind. Continue in my truth, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Is that true? Yes. Then what we need to do is keep our actions on the truth. But you don't know what I'm in. I know this is not too hard for God. And truth can change fact if you will keep your focus on it. One more. Let's go to Mark 834 down through 38. So realize that we have to keep our focus. Somebody say focus. It's very important. Very important. And it says, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life will lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels the same shall save it. For what will it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore will be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes with the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Keep your focus on your gift. Keep your focus on your assignment. Keep your focus on what God asked you to do. Pick up your cross and follow Jesus. Nothing else is important. The cross daily Amen? Because if you'll do that, you will have life. And if you don't, you will lose eternal life. I didn't say those things. Jesus said them. We need to focus. We need to focus. I can't tell you how many times on a given week that people knock on our doors, send us an email. Hey, we want you to be involved in this and this and this. Mm, 
No, we're, we're doing this. Well, don't you want to be a part of the great kingdom and the community and that? Yes, if it fits into our plans and our schemes and what God called us to do, yes. Now, I will help you accomplish, you know, if I can help you financially or something, but I'm not going to commit our church to it. They say, well, well you know, that, that's just, that's not unity, brother. I know it. It's wisdom. Amen. I don't have to be involved in everything you're involved in to love you as a brother. I don't have to. Why? See, we think unity is conformity. Unity is not conformity. I'm united with Phyllis. We don't think anything alike. <laughs> we don't talk alike. She yells. I talk in a quiet, calm voice. Do you believe that? <laughs> here, get some more money out of here. <laughs> Let's keep our focus. Now, you might think, well, boy, this is a pretty simple message. Absolutely, it was. Hopefully, you'll lay hold of it. Stop being distracted. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are encumbered about with so much things, but Mary seeks that which is important. Do you have the Martha dilemma going on in your life? Stop it. Put first things first. What's most important in your life? God, then give him time every day. Is the word important? Give it time every day. Is servicing or caring for other people, even if you pick up telephone or call on the way from work to encourage a brother? What are we focused on? When you die, Paul said this. This is scary. You came into this world naked, looking better than you look now, and you're going to leave this world naked. Naked. Hopefully I'm not there when you leave. Now, you aren't going to take anything with you. What do you think we should focus on? God. Focus on the kingdom. And all these things will be added unto us. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Father, what we're talking about today, God cannot be arrived at and fulfilled by human initiative. God, if you would put a hunger and a thirst in our heart, God, then we would hunger and thirst after righteousness and we would be filled. Jesus, you said no man could come to you in any stage except the Spirit of the Father draws him. Holy Ghost, draw us. Just put in us an urgency to want more of you. Give us an urgency to find answers to the things that we are facing today. Give us the urgency to just put the kingdom first. Holy Ghost, keep us thinking about the kingdom and bring all things to our remembrance. This is not a natural walk, Father. And how we need the Holy Ghost to keep us focused. 
Holy Spirit, teach us to write down the pearls that you bring out of our searching. Teach us to write down where our faith is taking us. Teach us to write down what we as a family should speak and think. Help us transition out of carnality into spiritual mindedness, out of division and envy and strife that gives all confusion and every evil work to the devil. Help us become focused. Jesus, help us to be focused on your will and not ours. Not our will, God, but yours be done. Let the Gethsemane cry fill the heart of the church. Not my will, but thine be done. God, touch us and we will be touched. Change us and we'll be changed. Draw us and we will follow. Call, we will hear. Beckon us, O oh God, we will give you our attention. Father, be our God, our total source of motivation, a total source of focus, and inspiration and service to others. God, we ask these things in Jesus' name.